The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ. Good morning, everybody. This is Stephen Keeter, and uh, as always, here with uh, me in the studio is uh, Jay Westervelt, and you listening to the Free Speech Show right here on WTBQ. Good morning, Jay. Dobre rano. <laughs> How are you, Stephen? Or rather, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, for sure. Still Christmas to me, you know, right up until New Year's, I always uh, absolutely. consider Christmas. Uh, you know, and uh, I know that uh, in European beliefs, and I know you spend a time in Europe, uh, you know, we always say that there's three holidays coming to your house. Uh, the first one is Christmas itself. Then, then it's Saint, uh, Saint Basil uh, and the crushing in the water crushing, uh, which is in its own separate holidays. And so it stretches uh, throughout the new year. And for us, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. I celebrate Christmas by the Julian calendar, which right. is following on uh, January 6th and on to 7. And you know what could be better than celebrating Christmas with friends and family? Doing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I got to say, uh, in Central Asia, in Mongolia, I get spoiled over there because they do celebrate our New Year's, but then they celebrate Tibetan New Year, which is, you know, it's usually about a month off from Chinese New Year, you know, right. both, both. So we get both. You know, we get our new the, year, which is, is crazy. What, the only way uh, uh, could be better than doing it once, doing it twice. Holiday so nice, <laughs> you got to do it twice. I wish we had that year more, you know? Uh, we, I believe we do in uh, like really old uh, Italian neighborhoods, and they call it uh, Little Christmas. Mm -hmm. They yes. still celebrate uh, by the Orthodox calendar. They still yep. celebrate by Julian calendar. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting for sure. And they're... Um, in fact, in New York City still, there are areas where it's celebrated loudly. So it's an interesting thing. Absolutely. So I do hope everybody had a great Christmas. Uh, I certainly did. And uh, we had a great time. I had a couple of very close friends. And uh, it, it is that uh, very special time of the year where you, you have a reason to, to you know celebrate and gift each other. And uh, the kids are certainly looking forward to it. So it, it was really, really good. And it's nice that it's it's truly, if you believe in it, in, in any part of it, even if you just believe in Santa Claus and you don't uh, subscribe to anything else, it's all about peace and, uh, you know, dropping the, the hatchet and uh, just, you know, getting along. And no, absolutely. it's nice, it, the, the human element. So it's cool. So what's new this week in the paper, by the way? Uh, well, there's, as always, we continue with the, our uh, Vero Verde initiative for the sure. upcoming uh, Pulpit Rock In project. And uh, it's been actually for a number of uh, weeks, if not months, where we can take a half a page. And uh, this uh, week's we uh, talking about and uh, writing about proposed uh, doggy playground, doggy <laughs> park, uh, which I, as a pet owner, I know and I travel and uh, with uh, my dogs and it's always I'm looking for types of accommodations that would allow to bring along our little friends. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. I've uh, spent a lot of my time living in California and uh, especially uh, Carmel by the Sea is this really, really, really dog friendly town. And uh, 
have a couple Warwick friends who live there in that town. In fact, Alan Lehman from uh, over here in Amity, he's uh, an architect in Carmel-by-the-Sea, really cool guy. I went to high school with him. Anyway, it's a very dog-friendly town, and they have dog everything. Every restaurant is dog-friendly. You know, I'm, I'm often a cat owner, so I feel a little left out. <laughs> I, I always want to have a pet bobcat and go in there and say, hey, you can't discriminate. But they have doggy playgrounds and you've talked to me about it not just dog parks where you can passively go and your dog can run around and uh you know chase a frisbee or take a dump these are things where there are actual features for them to run around on the ramps the agility courses uh, you 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 see like uh, sometimes you see them in new york city where they spun out of necessity where it's a safer environment for the dogs to socialize so to speak and uh, exercise and run around but because it's surrounded by you know like moving traffic and uh, four lane streets and you know that uh, could be a hazard and a nuisance so the, the those little sort of like a doggy oasis that, that uh, got spotted out throughout the manhattan you can see those i through the travel I, i've seen how beautifully those uh, can be done with a little fake hydrants and uh. that's hilarious <laughs> i yeah i get such a kick out of those i uh, cannot grin when i see them it's funny you, know, you mentioned in new york city the doggy parks and especially to say the doggy playgrounds and there is a difference it has to do with the features that you have there for the dogs to actively do things so many things that we're doing with the project we sort of keep an eye towards central park or to city parks because there because things are so much more compact and concentrated the things are more exaggerated these kind of things and that's what sometimes is lacking when you get up here into orange county warwick is such a, a standout community and such an extremely dog friendly uh, very californian feeling community in a lot of ways it's just the most reasonable idea when you mentioned it to me i was blown away i thought yeah you know it's funny i always hear visioning sessions and you know let's uh this ngo is going to talk about a visioning session for this property that the town might have maybe we'll do this let's take a vote let's have another bit i never i still don't see a doggy playground here you know well, that's what i think everybody would like to see everybody talks about nobody yet didn't act on it uh, so, and uh, something that we're putting in writing, that we're putting in that that's a comprehensive sort of plan that uh, yeah. we have a full intention of implementing. It's not that difficult to implement. Um, doesn't require a lot of infrastructure or anything like that. Not at all. On, on the opposite, uh, in fact. And just like uh, what we have a good uh, example of people, even uh, grassroots uh, volunte volunteers, creating a playground of dreams right here yeah. in the village of Warwick. So with the corporate backing, uh, that can be easily achieved and um, we can create a similar playground for our little friends. Yeah, and this one doesn't require um, any of this incorporation of uh, new NGOs or anything like that in corporate backing. You know, like many of our outdoor features, almost all of them, uh, everything that's availed to the guests can be available, will be available Absolutely. to Warwick residents. That's the, that is the beauty of uh, re retaining this property uh, as a publicly uh, accessible. And uh, everything that uh, is designed for, essentially for the benefits of uh, travelers, like uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, dog-friendly hotel and accommodations because oh, yeah. I do travel often with the dogs and I would pay that extra fee and I would, would like to see those type of amenities. And But with that said, it's also going to be open to the residents of Warwick 
just like yes. our uh, launch. Uh, the canoe kayak. launch, Can- yeah, with the bicycle lockup and canoe lockup. And that's the beautiful thing, since this isn't a public property through which you are receiving state funds to develop these things. We don't have to say, oh, well, we use state funding, therefore everybody has to be allowed to use it. We can restrict it to obviously your guests and to residents of Warwick and no one else, you know? And that, I think that's nice for a hometown thing that residents of Warwick can go in there and not have to worry about people from other, uh, maybe more fringy communities in the county coming in and taking it over. This is something where we can say, hey, you have to show Warwick residents, we have to see your license. Absolutely, and this is how uh, it's, uh, I believe that we're gonna use the same model that has been implemented by many municipalities where you have an access to the municipal beach or municipal right. park and right. all you have to do is identify yourself as a current resident and just show your home address or driver's license and that will be sufficient and it's cool you know uh, among the features obviously as i said ramps sounds silly but the wooden ramps that you know you walk alongside the dog and they run up and down dogs love that stuff especially when they see another one do it they're like kids you know oh they're they're on the the slide i have to get on that um the doggy ladders are very interesting it's not obviously like a you know a regular construction ladder it's uh, still at an angle and it's safe they can't their little feet can't fall through dogs get really addicted to those things and to have a regular frisbee field for them will be a lot of fun but the agility course i'm most excited about because uh, you will uh, also uh, you have to remember that uh, particular breeds and uh, uh, were bred and genetically engineered so to speak in mind and uh, you know selected for their uh, hunting ability running ability and that is imprinted that is genetically those dogs are predisposed to do those things get challenged get worked out and without a proper workout that they start chewing on uh, on your shoes and uh, furniture that's such a problem chair legs yeah <laughs> exactly that's that's a real common problem people say this or that breed is so cool i want one of those oh yeah i love a chocolate lab they're so cute they're so cool try keeping a chocolate lab just in your house all the time without anything to do i think uh, maybe after we come back we'll talk more about that absolutely we're going to the break Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Dr. Pierre Louis, a clinical psychologist. I will take your calls and I will answer all your personal and business relationship questions, helping you create a life healthy in mind, body, and spirit every Friday at 11 a.m. This is Barbara Martinez inviting you to tune in every Friday at 12 noon for Business Connects. Join me each week to hear about exciting new vendors at Emporium Square in Middletown, a 21st century way to shop, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. WTVQ. And we are back with the Free Speech Show. Here's Stephen Keeter and Jay Westerwald with you in the studio. And we were talking about uh, the uh, Pulpit Rock Inn and proposed features of that uh, new hotel that uh, sort of uh, going to 
we we hoping going to bring new standards in hospitality industry bring more uh, tourists uh, and provide more uh, amenities unique amenities recreational for the residents of Warwick as well yeah and it's it's cool you know it's nice that the way you're approaching this and incidentally this was your approach obviously long before we met is that you want to make your amenities accessible to people in town. You live in Warwick, you know, you live right in the village. Uh, you've lived here for over two decades. Uh, you want to be able to use these things. You, I notice that whenever you talk about the property, whenever you talk about your placemaking vision for it, you always seem to come from the standpoint of you walking in there as a resident yourself, what would you like to do? You know, where it's not something that only serves the guests who come in from out of town, especially from New York City, to come up and stay at this dog-friendly place. By the way, one of the other things, uh, we were talking about the features for the, the doggy playground, the uh, natural-style dog pool, I just think is the coolest thing, you know, where they can go in there, you don't have to worry about them uh, getting tangled up in old fishing line or something like that. Your dogs can actually run into the pool. You can practice retrieving. We we're just before the break talking about the challenges of some people find when they own a lab and they live in a city apartment. Um, it's really not, you know, it's not a cat. It's not a lab right. dog. If you have a place where you can go out and throw a lure uh, into the water and have fun with your labs, they're a lot more calm at home. And it's just, you bond with them. You know this better than I do, Stephen. I haven't really owned a dog um, since I was a, a kid, really, teenager, I think is the last time I had a dog. Yeah, you gotta give them a lot of exercise. You have to, and uh, the, what I found like really truly amazing that uh, normally uh, we it, it requires a lot of uh, time contribution on the owner's part. Yeah. And if you look how, how uh, not only uh, in the case of Doggy Park, but in the case of, uh, you know, plantings and uh, echo integration and mitigation features, it doesn't really require a lot of uh, complicated infrastructure or, or even in that tremendous influx of money. You just have to be determined, and yeah. that has to be your mission, mission so to speak. And you, it, it requires more than anything else, uh, more than funding, willingness to do uh, things. I'm uh, looking, uh, you know, and uh, in, in the newspaper and this one uh, as well. I see how in today's, uh, you know time when uh, during COVID when everybody and everything is struggling including a lot of uh, charitable organization and uh, NGOs uh, and you know like you see calls to uh, you know s preserve and sustain and contribute uh, things like historical societies and uh, and I understand uh, humane societies and everybody's struggling yet uh, take a look at the fifth annual uh, Toy uh, drive by WTBQ. This was amazing. And this is something where it's actionable and it's serving a segment of the community that truly has a need. It's not sort of like a cocktail thing, like, oh, look, let's, let's, let's pre preserve this pretty building. This is something where they're helping children, children of disabled vets and children of vet um, soldiers deployed over here at uh, Stewart. It's helping to get Christmas presents to them. A lot of them, they don't have Christmas with their parents, or if they do, maybe, you know, their parents can't really do that. And being on the same footing, on the same, we're still in the same environment, it's uh, as difficult uh, to raise money for any particular reason. Uh, this is a record uh, ever in a five year of existence, uh, Toy Drive. Uh, it's the biggest one ever. Yeah. And that just shows uh, everybody that 
what it takes is actually a, a real effort. Or just doing something. Just do it. I mean, uh, it's Which easy is- to talk and people, you know, it's still Christmas, so I, I don't want to point any <laughs> fingers, but people fall into these broad platitudes and they just start throwing the words around and they use, you know, these various uh, business isms and all. And they feel at the end of the day, if they've mentioned it, if they brought it up at a meeting, if they, you know, their friends nodded, Hey, that was good. That was a good point that the job is done. That's not even the beginning of the job, you know, actually getting out there and doing is what makes a difference. We're a little light on that around here. We're really heavy on talk. Thankfully, your project is the opposite. Um, people were very angry. Well, we don't know enough about it. What's going on? What's that man doing over there? You know, it's, I hear he's going to be sacrificing people on, on the top of that. Right. You know, people are getting crazy. Now we're articulating through this half page paid ad in the Warwick Valley Dispatch every week exactly what we're doing feature by feature. And we are doing these things. We've actually started the the work Absolutely. on the, some of the, them the process uh, has been started we uh, it uh, as everything else it takes time in uh, in this particular case it takes uh, certain approvals right. uh, to be secured and and in place but uh, i see this as in writing promise Yep. It's uh, obviously this is a mission. I've done it uh, on the air. We've done it in the studio. I've sure. done it uh, in the written form in a newspaper. And this is something that anybody who is looking forward to staying or seeing the uh, the project come up, uh, look forward to those amenities, which right now non-existent. Well, and you and I both have uh, very definitive um, and quantifiable track records in our own fields. You as a builder and a placemaker, you have built these really wonderful, extra strong, efficient, just really robust buildings to help downtown. I mean, you've done these these beautiful things. You've you've done nice neighborhoods. I understand you've been involved in building even over in Fairfield County. You know, some of the snobby towns in Fairfield. And, uh, you know, my work, I'm not patting myself on the back, but my work speaks for itself. I'm not one of these guys who will stand around and talk all day about sustainability, I've actually gone out there and gone up against extremely deep pocketed, scary developers, uh, scary projects. We even, when we had the Glenmere Conservation Coalition, which still exists, but thankfully because of our hard work for over 10 years, we don't, you know, we're not having to get out there and stand in front of bulldozers or anything. But there was a point where O&R was gonna put a gas line along the west shore of Glenmere Lake, Glenmere Reservoir, Everyone said, guys, pick your battles. That's a utility. You can't stop that. The really hard work we did. What we did was we compelled the utility carrier to find a different spot. Consider an alternative uh, site for it. And, you know, a few people were upset because it led to tearing up sidewalks right on Main Street in the village of Florida, which isn't the nicest thing. But they wanted to run it right across the side of the lake. Everyone said it's impossible. We did the hard work. Uh, we, We were lobbying senators, legislators. We were working with the DEC, which can be a very, as you know, a very difficult task. People think, oh, well, the guys who are for preservation, it's easy for them to deal with the DEC. No way, not at all. They say, oh, you care about that? You do the work. You go find a PhD to uh, start doing those studies and then get it peer reviewed before we'll even look at it. We did all that. 
And we made it very clear that putting a gas pipeline, people don't know about that battle with our Glenmare thing. They know about our battle with trying to keep the uh, Glen, beautiful Glenmare mansion from overstepping into the sensitive areas. That was difficult. The 450 unit Glenmare preserve that was slated for the southwest side of the reservoir, we halted um, because that was just gonna destroy acres and acres of woods. And uh, we did the hard work and it wasn't nice. Uh, our vehicles uh, got hurt a lot, so to speak. My motorcycle was always being knocked over, uh, spray painted. They were starting to hire thugs, but the funny thing was, you know, some of the thugs they were trying to hire were like, hey Jay, these guys want us to go after you. But this is what it comes down to. And then you get these people saying, well, I'm gonna start a preservation group. Look at me, hey mom, I'm a preservationist overnight. It's not how it works, you know? And it's it's that sort of Tokyo syndrome where you you just take, you, you wear the clothes of something you wanna be. Hey, look, I'm an outlaw biker and everybody has to con consider you to be that. Um, it, it's kind of strange. And we have a lot of that here, but thankfully, you and I are guys who act on things. We don't mind hard work. And that's all it takes. It takes uh, determination and willingness to do it. Uh, I know I'm repeating myself, so to speak, but we have an excellent examples of people who, instead of uh, you know whining and crying and trying to rely on public assistance, <sighs> they go out there outside the door and they uh, essentially, uh, you know, do something, put a lot of effort into what's happening, and the result speaks for itself. That's what this is. The old, uh, technically Chinese, originally saying, the uh, journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. It's that first step that people are afraid to do, and they'll start overthinking it. They'll start discussing it with their friends. Well, we need to take a vote. We should have another meeting. Let's have a scoping session. <laughs> and by scoping sessions, I'm talking about NGOs. I understand public agencies have to have those things, and I'm not, maybe a scoping session isn't the best expression to use because that's associated with them. But you know, when you have your own property and your own project, as you do in this case, now you can do something that benefits the community in a tremendous way. And ecologically, what this will do, that's what's exciting to me. When I talk about you having the highest biodiversity of plant species um, in easily in the whole state, if not the Northeastern US, and we may be able to go for more than that. People say, well, that's, how is that even possible? You know, you're only talking about 10 acres roughly six or five that you're gonna be, more like six, you're gonna be doing this on. And I just example again, Central Park, the Ramble, the variety of species there is unparalleled by anything you'll find in this county because it's planted there and there are no deer. There are no deer to go out there and select the plants that they like to eat and destroy them, which is more than 90% of the plant species here anyway. So if we can exclude deer and we will from our plant, sensitive planted areas, people are gonna be able to go berry picking for berries that you don't even commonly see around here. They're gonna be able to see and, and do some um, culturing of mushrooms or you know picking mushrooms. Which uh, in, uh, you know, uh, I don't wanna say prevalent, but they do exist depending on the weather uh, conditions. Like this year was a little bit too dry in my opinion and um, we didn't see a lot of mushrooms, but normally, they abandoned and uh, you, you can in an abundance present uh, in local uh, woods all around Warwick and I went uh, mushroom picking um, you know foraging myself on many occasions and I can testify there's a number of them like really really local available and delicious to that extent. Stephen maybe on your website uh, pulpitrockin.com 
it would be cool to share some of the photos of the shit, wild shiitake mushrooms that you collected right in your on your property. Uh, because you've got armloads of shiitake oh, mushrooms. Yeah. They, they sort of like, they, they like to, to come up in bunches. It's not like single right. growing uh, mushroom. But uh, yeah, you can, you can do uh, pick a lot of them. And uh, this is what everybody in Europe, this is the everybody's favorite pastime, so to speak. Yeah. People go out. Not only that's a form of exercise and being outside and, uh, you know, breathing fresh air. But, uh, you know, you, you sort of like uh, you go harvesting and foraging and looking for that mushrooms and uh, you come home and you either dry up or you pickle them. And it makes a, a great, um, you know, not only like sort of like summer memento, but a, a wonderful uh, side dish to go along with your favorite drink and so yeah and you know there are uh elements to uh, eating fungus that you don't get from any other kind of uh food very true which very a beneficial lot of, could be yeah and a lot of people don't realize that so many just think penicillin itself is actually that's a fungus technically yep. it's a fungus and this is something you know so there are so many things that are out there that we maybe don't quite connect to yet because we haven't tried them this goes along with our theme one of our bullet points of what we're going to do the locavore hikes where we go out and we look for and it's people say well locavore just means uh using local farms and all no it actually can also mean just going out and finding what's locally wild and abundant in your area we're going to plant specifically for our nature trail and our locavore trail so that we can bring guests just on a little walk we can't have people pillage everything but here try a few of these <laughs> strawberries a few of these huckleberries these elderberries will be good you know in a jam this is what they look like so when you guys go somewhere else when you're out in the woods you know what to look for um even things like sorrel the little it looks like a shamrock i know exactly what it is of course uh, that's uh uh, a lot of in French cuisine, there's a lot of sorrel soup is one of the most famous sure. and that's very prevalent in uh, Russian cuisine as well. This is very uh, springtime. Uh, this is a sorrel comes up as one of the very first uh, herbs uh, yeah. in the spring uh, loaded with vitamins and that goes into sorrel soup. It does. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I remember matter, yeah. in uh, Central Europe. Uh, when you go out into the woods, it is everywhere. You know, and it's bigger than the type that we have here in the Northeast. In the West, especially the Northwest of America, we have the the big sorrel or sorrel, as you say properly, uh, like you have in Europe. And um, we're definitely going to have wonderful plantings of that so that people, guests, and also residents can go on our guided hikes because we don't want people, again, just going out there and pillaging everything that we plant. Um, they can learn they can taste things and learn what to look for when they go out hiking on their own and that's going to be a lot of fun because people are often shocked at what's right under their feet that's edible including the things that we oh well a lot of people hate to see in their lawns uh like plantain cabbage plantain very edible dandelion dandelion edible oh great and really good for you <laughs> a lot of interesting chemicals in it so we're going to be doing a lot of fun things with the hotel it's not just you know that another boutique hotel where people stay they you know they watch hbo and they leave after their conference it's a place where people are, the whole draw is to get people outside i truly hope that uh, the hotel itself can become a destination in its own right uh, just by offering those amenities that are currently not only non-existent in warwick but not uh, presently available anywhere in uh, in orange county or new york state because this hotel in so many ways is gonna put a sort of like be a superlative uh, absolutely really one of a kind as far as this idea of the um 
you know, just the eco integration and making that even a part of a guest stay where they can, you know, they can passively go wander the ground, see all these plants. They can sign up for the canoe paddles for the hikes. One of my favorite features that you mentioned to me when we first met that you're planning to do is bringing back the, the pioneer stage or carriage. carriage. Pioneer carriage uh, that was uh, that made the Red Swan Inn famous was part of the offered amenities and services and connected the went uh, to Goshen and the surrounding towns, uh, you know, bringing the people to sort of like local landmarks and restaurants and bringing them back to the hotel. So we have a history, a very rich history of the hotels in Warwick that can be built upon. And we taking a page out of that uh, rich history book and uh, we would try to sort of reinvent it. Yeah. Uh, it might not necessarily be a horse-drawn buggy. Maybe it's an electrical uh, minibus or shuttle uh, that would take people around to local breweries and uh, I love it. trails. And skiing. It's yep. going to be great to have something to take people to and from Mount Peter and even Mountain Creek if people want that really unique boutique skiing experience that we don't have anywhere in America where you actually can use uh, private instructors provided by the house, et cetera, to actually take you on a guided tour. You know, we're going to be right. talking more with local resorts about that. Also, to take people to some of our amazing nature reserves around here uh, on my own show, Monday mornings. 11 a.m. Uh, we we talk a lot about the Wallkill uh, Wildlife Sanctuary, which is right on the edge of Warwick. It's in Warwick, and then um, it goes into Sussex County, New Jersey. My big vision for your uh, Pioneer Carriage is to be able to take guests over there if they want to do a day of bird watching, where there is absolutely unparalleled bird watching year round at this place. In fact, I was just there last week, and we we saw. Wonderful, wonderful birds of prey there. It was really, really interesting. But to be able to offer your guests so many cool ecotourism amenities is really interesting. You know, there was a letter in a local paper. I think it was the Chester Goshen paper. And it was somebody, it was an environmental activist who was, they were talking about the Duchess Caves, the quarries mm -hmm. that really warrant uh, preservation. And I think the county is really coming up with a good way to finally preserve them better. And she said that ecotourism is like this tremendous growth sector of the tourism industry. It certainly is. It, it has been confirmed by Orange County uh, Tourism. And uh, we we trying to compile a data that would show the benefits of it, not only on local economy, but the, with the amenities provided to it. Residents of Warwick, sure, that, that actually can be very, very beneficial. Yeah, no, definitely. And this hasn't been done anywhere else on a tiny experimental level, like in, um, you know, out west. Sure, there's something like that, but it's rare. When we get back, I will talk more. Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. 
The new wave is back. Chris Cordani here, remembering the decade of thin ties, cheap sunglasses, and great music. Revenge of the 80s Radio, Friday nights on WTBQ. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Tracks. I'll give you the phone number to the Faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. WTBQ Dry but chilly weather will prevail for the weekend for this afternoon. Sun and some clouds, breezy at times, only around 30. Tonight, mainly clear, cold, 15 to 20. Sunday, plenty of sun, seasonably cold, mid-30s. Monday, more clouds than sun, with a rain or snow shower, but milder, up to 40. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. WTBQ. And we're back with free speech. This is Jay Westerveld uh, picking up while Stephen's taking a look at something over here. We were talking about the hotel as we usually talk about on this show because really that's what it's about. That's what brought Stephen and I together. That's what brought Stephen into more of a limelight here in Warwick, New York, the apple of New York State's eye, uh, just uh, an hour from New York City. Tremendous beautiful pastoral country here. And uh, Stephen has applied for all the necessary permits to put in his incredibly visionary, forward-thinking Pulpit Rock Inn uh, ecotourism hotel. And it's really going to be a fascinating boutique hotel, absolutely one of a kind. There's nothing else like it in this country except for a few experimental things that have some of the features. Nothing has even more than 50% of the features that we will be implementing at this place. But, you know, like anything, there are a lot of hurdles to getting it done. And um, often it can take a lot of hard work to bring one's vision around. But in the end, if you're sincere, if you're hardworking, and if you really can show benefit to not just to yourself, but to the community as a whole. And that's not a necessity, by the way, it's just helpful. Usually you'll persevere. And I think we saw a case where someone persevered in a, a similar situation, yeah, Stephen? It's, it's, it's very difficult, in fact, to do anything, uh, in, especially in a village of Warwick, uh, where you, uh, you know this uh, seems to be in opposition to everything and anything uh, anybody tries to well, bring up. Well, it's difficult. it's difficult to do anything that's not following one specific ag agenda you know, one activist agenda. Otherwise it's, it's, you know, then it's really simple to do things. You can put the, the flag of your own activism choice right on railroad green and it won't be argued with. You can just place it there. But if you were to put a different flag there, it would be taken down immediately. And that's Warwick. You know, yeah, just, we know what we're dealing with here. Very true. But uh, in this, uh, I believe it's in both newspapers because uh, as a community member, I've been following up and uh, watching it very closely. And uh, I would like uh, just to send my congratulations to John Christensen, the owner of yesterday's restaurant, who uh, once again, uh, you know, uh, got another victory in court uh, to pursue his uh, vision, to pursue his relocating of yesterday's restaurant to a new location, which, uh, by the way, has uh, been zoned for it. And uh, knowing John, uh, I know him personally, and I believe that uh, yesterday is one of those rare, rare features on, on a 
Main Street that remained in business for so many years. I believe it's uh, 30 plus or maybe 37 years uh, that John has been in the very same location. Sort of like, uh, I believe the only uh, longer running restaurant on Main Street is, uh, or, or, or a standing structure or known is a bad tavern. Yeah, so probably. Tavern, that sounds about right. I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, that's they still come there and go, they under moved. the same name. Yeah. Right, right. Like something like G's used to be in a different spot when I was a little kid. It was closer to where now Raina's Pizza is. Not right there, but kind of closer to there. So, yeah, it doesn't really count a lot of different management. But he's been, you know, kind of a stalwart right there for, you know, certainly 35 years, it would seem. No, and, and uh, I think, uh, and I'm going through the newspaper, and I see that, uh, in to put in uh, Mr. Christensen's own words, he says, uh, I have been a good neighbor on Main Street, and I will continue to be a good neighbor on Elm Street. And I think that essentially uh, tells a story. Um on the other hand, uh, right now is Christmas, and we all have uh, kids coming and visiting from uh, and, uh, my daughter, who is currently in college. She came in for Christmas holidays, and that's going to be her winter break as well. Driving on Main Street, she says, oh, every time I come back home, I don't recognize it. There's a new uh, place, and there's a new merchant, there's a new business on the Main Street. And that, I think, you know, with all the even, you know, uh, I know everybody would like to believe that we lived in this perfect paradise, but uh, if you talk to any merchants, if you ask to any business owner, uh, you firsthand, they will tell you how not easy it is to make it uh, in business. And I would like to see more businesses that has been here for, for a long time, that didn't change hands, that didn't change names, they're still vibrant, they're still in business. And I believe Mr. Christensen uh, represent one of those businesses. And it is an asset to a business community uh, I know that he supports uh, a lot of, uh, you know, for good cause uh, and uh, charitable organizations. And I'm uh, pretty sure, uh, you know, it's going to be around the same kind of a good place uh, in his new locations. I'm looking forward to have a pint of beer in there. Yeah, it's you know, it's funny. His uh, yesterday's pub, I've actually, I went in there once in my whole life. Uh, it's, you know, it's not... It's not my brand of whiskey, the place, but that's not the point. Just because I don't frequent that place doesn't mean I can't be supportive of it. He's done an amazing job. You know, Absolutely. It's, and he's, he, he packs them in. People love the place. And I guess his new project uh, right around the corner is essentially a beer garden almost or some sort of semi-outdoor pub. Uh, there's so many worse uses for that property over there, and it's a pretty industrial chunk of property, you know, right in the ed edge of uh, Jones Chemicals. You know, <laughs> I mean, I would think I, uh, if I were a resident there, I'd welcome that. Right. I don't see uh, any unruly crowds on Main Street. No. I don't see any uh, more police presence that has been summoned, uh, summoned to the yesterday's restaurant, and uh, that restaurant has been there for many, 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 many years. That's a good so, point. W w w I don't quite understand the argument when people say it, it is zoned for it. It is, and I think the best way to have your opinion heard or have your concern addressed is to talk to a developer. Talk yep. to the person who is uh, planning. This is why we opened this uh, dialogue, so to speak, in um, in form of uh, this weekly advertising that we are promoting features of the hotel and letting people know what's coming. Yeah, and it's you know it's also nice to try to help. Speaking of old Warwick businesses, to try to help keep the Warwick Valley Dispatch, you know, funded and moving along. Um, and it's you know it's I think it's really nice that you actually 
take out a recurring half page ad in that that uh, newspaper every week and uh, it really helps people to understand what it is you're doing, uh, right. really what we're doing well, with it, the project. It, it helps the local business, it helps uh, the public who would like to be informed and it helps the project in terms of, uh, you know, because I would like to share with the with Warwick and with the rest of the world what a beautiful community we have, what a great feature we have and we would like to, uh, you know, uh, celebrate it and, uh, you know, put it on a showcase, so to speak. And uh, it's certainly more than anybody has done prior before or even trying to sort of uh, change public opinion and sway it in terms of uh, trying to represent the project as something destructive, which is not. Uh, I see it as a more of a blank canvas, so to speak, that uh, with the proper the team with the, you as an environmentalist uh, suggesting certain uh, mitigation measures that sure. can uh, make this site more than it currently is. Yeah, and that's it. And the mitigation measures are really key for the actual area that's being developed for the hotel. The remaining areas, it's not even mitigation. I mean, it's nothing but habitat enhancement. And that's almost never done with projects because it's hard. It's something that's difficult for which to get funding. Typically, if you want to get state or federal funding for any kind of habitat enhancement, you're pushed towards invasive species management. The reason for that is being very blunt, uh, that involves the use of a lot of chemicals and most of these chemical companies, and we've shown this, we've demonstrated this time and again, have high level employees in these government agencies. And so they, you know, it's always like, oh yeah, you, you want to uh, improve some habitat, use this spray or this, you know, this chemical from this company and we'll write, we'll help you write a grant for it. And you'll get the grant money, but you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get it. It's actually the norm. A lot of people don't realize that. People will will profess to know how grant, environmental grant writing works. But when you've actually attempted it, it's amazing. It's just like RFPs and um, just trying to get a, a grant for ecological research. There's always a checklist, you know, will climate change be incorporated into this study? Well, what if you're studying something that, maybe isn't so severely impacted by climate change and climate change is horrible it really does impact just about everything but some species admittedly actually benefit from it i hate to say that but you know some do it doesn't make it a good thing but they sort of guide you and steer you and groom your your proposal to such a degree they yes or no you according to a point system you get three points if you're going to incorporate invasive species management blah 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 we're doing this with your money so we're not beholden to any state agency in terms of exactly how we're doing it we're going to follow all the laws like when we do the stocking in the stream of some nice native trout we're going to get the appropriate dc permits which are pretty simple especially for that stream the village itself uh, actually pardon me the town used to stock it and um it is a a trout stream it's a cr uh, one classifications it is a trout stream yes so that will be easy but the the plant biodiversity sections are just going to be unlike anything anyone's seen in this state if not in the northeast starting with the rock itself the focal point of the whole project the beautiful pulpit rock uh regardless of any importance which some people may have erroneously tried to say that it had historically or archaeologically it's still beautiful and it's what drew you to the site and it's what 
made you kind of dig your feet in and say, no, I don't want to do this project on a nearby parcel. As you always say, the rock is cool. You love yeah, it. You I, love how it looks. I think it's cool. One of the reasons we purchased it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just beautiful. And one of the things uh, that I'm hoping to get started on right away, because it, it doesn't require your uh, approvals for the hotel to do, is planting the rock with the native prickly pear cactus. A lot of people are shocked that that's a native plant. We have a native cactus edible. I actually, uh, I, I know the locally uh, a, a very cool place where it's so prevalent. I think I know what you mean. Is it on Route 94? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is, and it's nice because now it's a protected plant, but plant protection in New York State, is, is it's a very peculiar process. If you own the land, fortunately or unfortunately, you can do what you want with any protected plant. There's not a protected species once you own the plant that really prohibits what you can do. You can bring a protected plant in as long as you've gotten it from a place where you've had permission. So when the permission is the county or state highway department because it's growing along a highway and they've given me permission to use prickly pear before, everything's fine. And so to plant the rock itself with this beautiful flowering prickly pear that has beautiful bright yellow flowers, the wonderful fruit, which is great for canning and for you know uh, jellies and jams, and the leaves, which of course, um, Many of our Latin American neighbors here called nopales, well, cactus nopale, yep. they cook the leaves and in, um, or as we call them, the pads, the cactus leaves. You remove the spines and you fry them up. They're amazing. Uh, I was truly amazed to see it outside, let's say, Florida or Mexico. Yeah. It, it, it's a shocking sight, especially when you see that it's, uh, in fact, thriving. It really is thriving, thriving. In the right environment, it, it's a thriving, thriving plant. Even in our harsh winters and uh, recently 18 inches of snow, it's still surviving, it's thriving, and it's local and native. And so to see that growing on the rock, on all the little shelves, the tiny little shelves on the rock with the beautiful blossoms in June and then the beautiful red fruit coming out later, that's going to be a spectacular thing for Warwickians and for your guests to go in and experience. It is. So, uh, Jay, uh, I would like to ask you, uh, see, you've been so many times on on the opposite side of the uh, table, so to speak, sure. and protecting and everything else. Uh, I just got a, a sign for us to go into the uh, another uh, advertising break, and I will continue with my thought right after. Oh, yeah. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Do you have a car problem? Maybe it's a mechanic problem. Maybe it's not. Sounds like a job for me, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. That's right, Sunday mornings at 8. Get up early, let's hang out, let's talk about cars, let's all get smarter, let's solve some car problems. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, here Sunday mornings at 8. This is Jay Westerveld inviting you to tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for Tales and Trails, where I'll share many journeys and stories from my global travels and from your neighborhood, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. WGHT Pompton Lakes, your community radio station since 1969. WTBQ. 
Welcome back. This is a free speech show with uh, Stephen Kira, and as always, uh, my guest uh, today is uh, Jay Westervelt. And I think we got interrupted uh, for an advertising break where I was asking you a question. Uh, we know how much. Uh, this uh, hotel. Wait, Stephen, I know the question. I can answer it now. <laughs> yes, this is my real hair. So let's, no, go ahead. No, but, but, but you know uh, how much, how many benefits uh, this uh, hotel will bring, and especially um, in, uh, on an environmental side of it, uh, as eco integration uh, measures that uh, we've been discussing for months now in a uh, local newspaper. Uh, and uh, obviously we know who some of the people who uh, oppose in the hotel and I know uh, the reason for it. It's nothing but uh, personal uh, and trying to pursue their own agenda. But uh, with the opposition uh, sort of, uh, you know, being joined by some people just for the sake of opposing, do you think uh, now that these people are reading and uh, seeing what a wonderful uh, uh, difference the the hotel would actually make. Uh, what do you think the motivation for for that opposition is? Well, you know, if you're asking me as a criminal psychologist, I can't answer because I'm not a criminal psychologist. <laughs> no, but, but you you've you've uh, dealt and uh, sort of like mingled with people who uh, I've been on the other side most absolutely. of the time. Yeah, going up against uh, development projects, some very similar to this. In fact, uh, as an undergrad. Uh, out on Eastern Long Island, I went up against hotels that were going into rare amphibian habitat, breeding habitat for the Eastern tiger salamander. And um, and interestingly on that, a friend of mine who's um, sort of a developer in his own right in a, in a big way, uh, actually works in protecting habitat for that species. But anyway, um, so the question I guess is, what do you think what do i think their motivation is yeah, what do, uh, you, you you've seen obviously uh w it's already very very clear there's nothing to protect so to speak there's nothing uh with there's no because these people tried every trick in a book the yeah, every excuse sure under did. the sun uh trying to stop or interfere with the project with with the mandated procedure and the accusations were thrown that it is a sensitive, environmentally sensitive area, which is not. Yeah, that's where I got brought in, and that's where you know that's where they first reached out to me. And uh, when I when I said, um, with no hesitation, look, there's really there's nothing ecologically sensitive about that site. They sort of hinted, and then even openly online said, well, you know, maybe somebody should uh, put some bog turtles or cricket frogs <laughs> there to stop it. And um, that's not cool. Uh, on a number of levels, uh, but that's that's a different ecological discussion. That's a different ethical discussion. These aren't, I've said this on this show a lot of times, so I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I know you have a lot of new listeners as we've certainly seen. These aren't actually preservationists. They're not environmentalists by any means. These are just people, look, we live in a, a hipster culture, post hipster. People grow a beard and wear a flannel shirt, it means they're a lumberjack, okay? <laughs> They've never picked up an ax, but hey, I'm a lump. They think it's stylish, you know? Uh, little little Bobby, you know, wants to be a doctor, so he walks around in a scrub suit. He's not gonna perform surgery on me, Stephen. You know? <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the culture. No, okay. but this is a culture in which we find ourselves in he thinks of himself, little Bobby thinks that he is a doctor, and you know, like if he repeats it a number of times, maybe people will start referring to him as a doctor. Dr. Yeah, Bobby. we'd follow the Joseph Goebbels <laughs> uh, line of thinking, I think. But, uh, 
So the scary thing there is, no, there's not an actual environmentalist amongst your opposition. There's not a biologist amongst your opposition. There's not a real preservationist. If there were, they would have a track record on other projects. Um, there is one fella who's worked as a professional sort of um, uh, landscape surveying, uh, ecological surveying guy, but that's a that's a that's a vocational thing. It's not you know. Yeah, but it, uh, that fella is also known to work for money, and essentially only, anybody yeah. who is paying anybody who is uh, ordering the music, he he will perform a dance. Exactly, and you know to be perfectly clear, you know he's one of the incorporators of the group that uh, used to oppose you. I don't I don't even know what they do now, but. Um, he famously sued a client, uh, Preserve Orange County or Preserve Hudson Valley, I think it was called, the people who went up against Legoland. They hired him. Uh, there was some problem with payment, and he took them to court for $25,000. So when you're, number one, I'm in the wrong business if the brother's getting $25,000 for walking <laughs> around, you know, to say, hey, this is the oldest tree in Orange County. My point is, no, that I think the thing that motivates these people is initially one of their members dislikes you for whatever reason. Another member, the project would be in their backyard. They get together and they get all their friends riled up. And these people just really aren't substantive people. They're people who just follow someone's word without thinking for themselves. There's, there's a paucity of critical thinking there. There's a paucity of ethical uh integrity and there's a real lack of just people being good people i mean it's it's real easy to say well i like vanilla ice cream you don't you like chocolate so you suck and i hate you <laughs> and that's really the ethos by which these people work very honestly well it's also uh, i believe you know sort of like trying to you know uh, justify self-importance uh, and if you really didn't succeed in anything else in life maybe you can feel important uh, trying to piss on somebody else's parade it's funny you know because <laughs> It's really a gangster mentality. When you think of it, it really is. Stephen, by the way, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? I really don't discriminate. I think I like uh, vanilla and I like strawberry. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll stay till <laughs> the end of the sucks. show, man, but we're going to have words outside. I mean, that's the attitude, though, you know? Well, we don't agree on this one thing, so therefore you suck. And we saw this with your opposition on social media. Um, just because I weighed in and said, with a letter to the editor initially saying, look, there's really not a great concern here for this 9.9-acre nine, 9 .9 plot for ecological stuff right. or archaeological I got chastised. These people in were a blink just... of an eye. You went from the, being the greatest environmentalist ever to uh, essentially uh, somebody who, uh, as that fellow that we just mentioned, said that so sold your soul or something like that. It's amazing that just when one piece of your opinion might diverge from these people's instantly, they don't even just say, "Well, you suck because of that." Now everything you do sucks, and they, you know, they. The guy who started your the little opposition group against you actually said, and you've got it screenshot, let's make this guy's life miserable. He said that, that about then you. He's been following sort of like, uh, I... Uh, who does that? Matt? Hey, Stephen, I don't mean to interrupt you, but really, it. who does that? <laughs> Just because I don't like something you're doing, like if my next door neighbor um, is using Roundup or something on his driveway, which I personally don't like, am I going to start you know, tearing him a new ass on social media? No. Uh, because there's nothing else uh, I believe this individual is capable of, and that's the easiest thing to do when you're hiding behind the computer screen of fake-up names or made-up societies under the fake slogans of preservation, yeah. yet without any single 
a single step or single suggestions how to make it better. We, this is what we're all about. You can open up uh, from uh, this week's uh, issue of Warwick Dispatch to uh, six weeks ago, and in every issue you're going to find a half-page essential concrete steps that uh, we're going to implement it. I yeah. would like to own uh, the right and the bragging rights, so to speak, and maybe cool. a future all awards that the hotel will get. But at the same time, it's out there for grabs, all these wonderful uh, genius ideas, and it's not like I consider myself the smartest uh, guy in the room, yet all it takes is just to just do it, just to take the idea and follow up on it. Everybody was talking about preserving pulp petroxide instead of, let's say, developing it. I think development will suit uh, and benefit preservation efforts. Well, you're not developing the rock. It's not like you're putting a house on it. <laughs> no, it's funny to say, but this is what they would have people think. I mean, already now you can see the rock, which previously you really couldn't with all the uh, alien uh, vines growing all over it, the, the uh, oriental bittersweet and things of that nature. And uh, that's gone and it looks a lot nicer. And you're continuing that, but this is what it comes down to. I mean, you can disagree with me. I might disagree with you on things. I know I do. I, politically, we disagree on things. Does that affect anything? No, man. You're the man you are. I'm the man I am. And we're good friends. You know, that's, you look past some no, things. No, absolutely. And, and the, the, the rock is not only, uh, we certainly made it more famous for, <laughs> yeah. for, for once, you know, for yeah, one for thing sure. for, uh, for certain, you know, uh, it is uh, at the very least some of people get to know there is uh, such a outcropping. It yeah. is known by such and such name. And oh, look at this. We, we, we have it before. Uh, I, I want to rewind back about two years ago. And if we would run... Uh, uh, sort of like a quiz and ask people, would you identify a pulpit rock? And uh, I doubt very, very much because we've been doing a number of oh, uh, no. Warwick trivia for from one show to another, asking fairly easy questions and something that really didn't uh, had place in history. And, uh, you know, even though I'm always happy when somebody wins a prize uh, from our sponsors, from Sam Smith Warehouse, uh, I doubt that uh, because I know many generations for weekends didn't identify Pulpit Rock and said, wow, I never knew it's there. No, no. And that's common. I, you know, the only reason I know about it is because when I was a little guy, uh, John Bradner, rest in peace, was was doing some studies there to try to see if there was early European settlement. Well, actually, pre-Columbian European uh, settlement and artifacts there. His studies, you know, seemed to show that there were none. But he he had some interesting ideas about it because of the just the way the rock stands vertically. But of course, when you look around that area, there are more than twenty-five other rocks yeah, just like it. And but anyway, you know, I kind of feel badly even kind of boring the troops with talking about the opposition or these silly nutty ideas that these people who used to be relevant used to have and they used to share frankly you're doing something nights that's going to benefit the residents definitely benefit the downtown uh the the downtown businesses and uh, it will bring a lot of really cool interesting eco tourists to warwick who will really get to know and appreciate and better support the way we onda and no, I agree. Beautiful. I agree. And I think, uh, so the hell with the naysayers. Uh, yeah. I think uh, you said it the best or in the words of uh, Winston Churchill. So if you would uh, throw a stone at every barking dog on, on your yes. way, you would never uh, reach your destination. Yep. Winston so Churchill. we uh, think we were just going to, uh, you know, forget and do what we do best and do our job. Uh, you as an environmentalist, I am as a builder. 
and uh, we're going to continue with the project. And also I would like to say a word from our sponsor, from Sam's Meat Warehouse, who's been um, sponsoring the, the program and, uh, uh, you know, making uh, Christmas so much more delicious for many residents of our Orange County. For this resident, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I know that uh, today and tomorrow they're rising, uh, running an awesome special. And uh, I know that in the process of, of cutting and filling everybody's holiday orders, they uh, were uh, creating some really delicious byproducts like uh, end pieces of the filet mignons and oh. one and two rib prime rib roasts. So with that said, uh, there's a lot of lot of goodies on sale. It's all 15% off today and tomorrow. Folks, please uh, stop by and uh, check out the quality and uh, the prices of Sam's Meat Warehouse. And I hope you will tune in uh, once again to learn more about the project and the people who are involved on it next Saturday. Uh, and also Monday for Trails and Tales uh, with Jay Westerwald. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Stephen. This was a lot of fun. Bye-bye. <laughs>